Hello, everybody, and welcome back here. Episode six of the Icebox Pod. As always, 412 Sports Cards here uh, and at Icy Ice Cards, bringing the podcast to you. Uh, got an exciting lineup today. Going to talk about some of that Josh Luber article. We'll, we'll give you the Reader's Digest uh, for those who didn't feel like reading 53 pages, uh, which is very fair. It is a lot. And then it's this is going to be mainly a Q&A episode. We've gathered some questions from you guys from the community that we're excited to get into. And then yeah, Matt here is going to talk a little Cade and Jalen Green after watching that game uh, last night. So, yeah, Matt, how are you doing? Good. I'm, yeah, happy with the results of Cade and Green yesterday. Oh, yeah, um, you won. Yeah, yeah, they, they ended up pulling it off, second win of the season, so – the big time. Yeah, I I mean, if there's really one team I'd want to beat, it's kind of Jalen Green, to be honest. I think a lot of Pistons fans actually feel that way. So it was it was a nice win. I was watching something today. Uh, I don't know if you watch Kenny for real on on YouTube. He's great, but he like reviews like basketball games and stuff. And he was saying that there seems to be this fake rivalry that's been brewed up between uh, the Pistons, uh, between Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. And like Cade Cunningham apparently has said, like he has no beef with Jalen Green. He just wants to win. And then, uh, but as Kenny was saying that the Piston, it seems to be the rivalry of the Pistons fans against Jalen Green is what is what oh, seems yeah. to be the beef. Uh <laughs> it's not so much Cade versus Jalen Green; it's Pistons fans versus Jalen Green. I th- I think it's going to become Cade versus Jalen Green, though. After watching that game, I think it was really chippy, and Green actually got called for attack. For it's track. mostly Jalen Green who was chippy, though, right? Yeah, pretty much. I, Cade is a, uh, and that's why I really like about Cade because I think Jalen Green is like clearly the more athletic of the two. No doubt. I think that's just really obvious. But I just like Cade's composure. Like, the Pistons were up by 11, I believe. And then that lead dropped to four because of a 7-0 run. And, like, Cade came right back. And I was like, ah, we need a bucket here, Cade. Like, what are you going to do? And he hit a big three. And, And, like, just to see that, and I believe that was after the whole trash talking thing with uh, Jalen getting the tech. But yeah, so that was kind of nice that he kept his composure. The one thing that really drove me crazy was when Green got that tech, he was like directly trash talking Cade, and they didn't give Cade the free throw. I the Pistons let Jeremy Grant shoot it. And I was like, that just makes me mad for some reason. Like, why not just let Cade shoot that? Like, he's the one that got trash talked. Like, give him that free throw. Give him that point. Like, a little confidence booster, you know? Is he not a good free throw shooter? He's probably like, eh, right? Sure, but, I mean, Grant's their best player. So, that, I think that might have been the logic. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I would have just liked to see Cade shoot that. But Oof. When Jeremy Grant is your best player. Sorry, had to, <laughs> had, to, had to say it. But, yeah. yeah, congrats on the win. Congrats on the win. Uh, yeah. Anything, any cards you've been picking up this week? Anything exciting on that front? Um, Not really any specific cards. I, I did get the Brady 2002 Topps Chrome Refractor. I saw that had an all, hit an all-time high. Was that you who set the all-time high on that? For what grade? It was either an eight or a nine. And that, that black, right? Yeah. I, I I was pretty sure I was just roaming around on card ladder today. I'll look, but that nonetheless, yeah, that talk about it, that's a big pickup. Yeah, the, yeah, the uh, PSA it... eight, the PSA eight hit an all-time high. Did wait, was that you? Was that the 6,100? Yeah. That wasn't me, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got mine mine off eBay, I think, about maybe like 12 hours before that auction ended. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and 
it, it was actually nice too because um it just speaks to how crazy shipping is but i bought it from canada and uh the guy overnighted it to me ups and it, it made it here in a day from canada they got that puppy in from canada in a day yeah i could not believe it i was shocked. i mean i guess canada isn't that far but like i don't know i bought yeah, some but- stuff from a guy in edmonton a couple days ago and all that tracking says is uh they they got it it's been accepted by a foreign post office oh yeah so and then it's it'll sit there until it gets in the u.s <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i thought that was crazy that make fast cool so it's already there you already have it yep i got wow. it yesterday i'm pretty sure that's insane i don't even know how that's possible yeah yeah overnight from canada i need to well the stuff i'm buying doesn't justify the overnight but i have been dabbling in some research in the realms of uh connor mcdavid uh yes i i know that this is maybe not what the people care about but after watching that goal where he like torched i know you're not supposed to like buy things off of like one play or like one game yeah I've been around long enough to know that. But like in the off season, I was like, well, I should probably buy some of him. But I looked at the young guns and I really have no interest in buying the young guns. Uh, we can get into that another time. The pop on the young guns, very concerning, particularly the pop that's in BGS, 7,500 I think, which is uh, quite a lot. And then you look, but, but if you look at the PSA, you only see a thousand PSA 10s. And then there's 7,500 BGS 9.5s just chilling. And uh, just because that's what was popular to grade cards with at that period in time was yeah. BGS. Like, that's what I graded with at that time. But did some research, found what I'm calling the fake uh, tops chrome and prism of hockey, as I'm, <laughs> as I'm now dubbing it. Uh, so I thought maybe that could be. Could be cool. Got some refractor rookies from a what I think is the only chrome set. I, I think it's like the only chrome base type set, like Opeachy Platinum. But yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Interesting, interesting market. Yeah, yeah, that that is interesting. Hopefully that stuff uh, grows a lot for you because that goal was insane. I that was nuts. I watched it like 10 times. Oh, yeah. I could watch that on loop all day. It was just unreal. I don't know how I don't know how you beat that many defenders. He is so good. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually I decided that I don't know if you ever do this. It, it's fun to like own cards of guys like while their career is going on. It's fun to own them like I, he is maybe a year beyond. Maybe not a year beyond. I don't know. Maybe this summer would have been the perfect time maybe to be buying him, in my opinion, for like what I like to do. Like he's proven he's like around he's this summer. He was like where Giannis was this summer. He is like proven mm-hmm. that like, he's like, except he's the definitive best in the league. And like his prime is still ahead of him. And he's done so much that the hall of fame is, you know, on the road, basically you could like fall apart and like, you're still fine. Yeah. Plus he's got upside. Hasn't won a cup yet. And the team's mm-hmm. nine and Right. Yeah, the team has not been that great historically, which is really weird because, like, their second-best offensive player is, like, also an MVP candidate. Uh, but the team has struggled. Yeah. But this year, they're not they're 9-2 and two right now, I think, which yeah, I wish I the Penguins that, were 9-2. and two. I think the Red Wings actually beat them. Yeah, they did. They beat them yeah. 4-2 last night. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Red Wings are apparently not trash, like the Penguins who uh, are missing their two best players and uh, suck right now. But anyways, that's enough of that. We'll move along for you guys. If uh, if you guys like the pod, share the pod with a friend. Uh, We'll get get around here to getting the uh, IG beefed up a little for you. But yeah, definitely share. We're definitely working on trying to grow the uh, follower base, the listener base, and we appreciate uh, all you guys. But let's talk. Matt, did you read the Josh Luber piece at all? Or did you hear anything about it? I, it's um, kind of, I don't know, it's don't, kind of been floating around. I really have not heard anything about it besides from Really? Me. But I did um, 
kind of read it, kind of like picked the sections that I thought would be interesting and just kind of read those and then looked at all the charts and read the explanations behind them. But I didn't like super in-depth read it or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it, it was definitely very interesting. Yeah. A lot of it is stuff that probably you and I like already very well understand from like, you know, having operated in the hobby for a while. Like a lot of it is like a analysis of what has happened in recent times. But like, I think the comparison to the shoe market, which is something that like he understands incredibly well being like the former, I think he was the CEO of StockX uh, before he like stepped away after they became a billion dollar company. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's where the value is. I, they, I know they talked about this on card talk, which, so I I'll talk about other stuff too, that hasn't been touched maybe as much, but like, I love how he talked about how after every big shoe drop, you like see the people on Twitter, they're like, Nike should be making more shoes. Like I want to buy shoes. I want to buy these shoes but I can't because Nike doesn't make enough. Like all these people, we're all here, want to buy them. Why don't they make more? And then he was like, but in actuality, that's not what anyone who says that really wants. All that they want is like to be the ones who who Mm. got the shoes, to be the ones who got the shoes when they dropped and for them to still be producing the exact same amount so they have value. They just want to be one of the lucky ones. And I, and, and he was comparing that to cards. And that is certainly the truth, in my opinion. Like, I don't want Prism to be printed to the moon, but like, I, 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 I don't, because then like it, it ruins the whole base of like everything, because then there's no rarity, then nothing's rare. He talked about like Jay Z had like a signature shoe that like was like super popular with like Adidas. And then Adidas was like, well, okay, like so many people are clamoring to buy it. Well, we'll just make them enough that everyone can get them yeah. dead, dead instantly. Like, and then once everyone could have it, nobody cared. And he basically talks about how like Nike and like Supreme and like brands like that are great models for like how to build up like the, the boxes, I guess, side of like selling stuff in the hobby and to keep it keep it cool and keep it like in demand. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, I thought that was so, so accurate because that's how you feel, right? Like you don't want 10 prism to be three times the print run next year. Right. Yeah. I I think it was interesting just going off that um, the graphs of the prism basketball and select basketball parallels. Oh, yeah, those are, I think, are pulled from, at least inspired by, like, Sports Card Investor, I think, talked those. Yeah, because, I mean, I think we all knew, right, when Select Basketball came out, there was a lot of parallels. Like, everybody knew Especially in the retail SKUs. The retail SKUs have so many. But to actually see, like, real numbers attached to it is pretty crazy. Like, in 2019, there was 23 different parallels. In 2020, there's 45. That's, I mean, basically double. I'm not gonna lie. I I I'm I I feel like it could be higher than that. Like it feels yeah. like more. That that's nuts though. And a lot of those are non-numbered parallels printed to the moon. Yeah, and I um it was kind of interesting because uh I, I was talking to my dad about this. Um, and we were saying we're going to get to the point where a base card is more rare than a one of one, like the way, the way it's going. And that's like, even um, Edwards, I believe it shows Zion had like 14, one of ones, I believe in select. That's a which ton. Is still crazy high, but Edwards has 30. That's insane. I mean, I guess you have like relic one of one relic auto one of one relic auto one of one in uh in choice in uh in t-mall in hobby and then in retail and then you have all those skews but yeah that's terrible yeah Um, it kills the cool yeah because only a one of one is supposed to be cool i think the hobby one of one is no matter how much you make still pretty cool 
I, I, I don't know. That's the kind of perspective I've always had. Like, yeah, I'm just interested in the hobby stuff. I don't really play around with the uh, discos and the world of like oh, fast breaks yeah. and like all that. I don't know. If I ever bought retail select, it would just be to open a box of cards uh, for fun. And, uh, but I would be like acknowledging I'm just be getting just destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's what I would do too, is you really just have to open it for fun because now you're getting crap. Like you're, yeah, you really are just getting overproduced crap. Like they're maybe one out of, you know, a hundred boxes or something you might win, but like overall it's brutal. Uh, it, it is fun to open cards. I, like, I, I all right, go ahead. I, I feel like, say, like 10 years ago, you used to be able to pull like a Kobe base card or something. And like that would be worth like three or four dollars. I don't know. I feel like the Kobe base card was worthless. Well, I don't know. Actually, I never ripped basketball. Well, well, not not I maybe not three to four years ago, but maybe like ten years ago or something. I feel like you could get like like you could get like a base card and be able to like do things with it. Other and now like in a base card, you pretty much just throw it away. Like, what do you do with it? Well, I mean, a base card of a vet is like nothing. But like, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm kind of torn because like I agree that like the paralleling to death is bad, but like. I don't know. Think about 10 years ago. Not maybe not 10. I don't know. Um, say 2015. So what's it? Six years ago. This is a good time, I think, to look at because yeah. grading didn't create as much value in 2015 as it did in say 2018 or 2019, um, when grading was a huge moneymaker. But like I remember I used to open packs of tops baseball. You get like a Chris Bryant rookie card, like and Chris Bryant was everything back then i don't you like so hyped oh huge yeah. huge rookie and i remember getting that and it was like yeah it's like 10 bucks five bucks 10 bucks and like that was it but like you know the base card wasn't worth a ton a ton but i think it was like a semi weird phenomenon where the base card became worth so much yeah i don't yeah you know what's uh something that i thought was really interesting that i feel like no one's really talking about is man trout updates have really crashed yeah the psa 10 sub 3000 i think or it's like right in that window i i saw one got listed on facebook yesterday for 29 obo yeah that price sell off ebay for around 27 26 yeah that was a like that was a super liquid five thousand dollar card for a little i mean for like two months for like two months even like even like 9.5s like i just i had i had a 9.5 and i sold it really because yeah i i've owned a lot of updates like i was buying them when they were like a hundred dollars and selling them for 120 you know oh i bought mine when it was a hundred bucks and then i had it for five or six years and then i sold wow yeah so when did you sell i sold March or April at the latest of this year. Uh, and I got, Oh, okay. I got, and I got about 3,400 uh, minus fees for mine on eBay. Yeah. So you pretty much pinpointed the perfect time. Honestly, I was pretty darn close the 10. So yeah. the 10 had that, I don't know how well you've studied these charts, but the 10 did one of those where it shot up a couple thousand on a sale of questionable legitimacy and then yeah. much like the Jordans that hit 730K, you began that slow march down from the questionable sale, but you were still way above where you used to be as you went on the slow march down. And as the slow march down from this questionable peak uh, began is when I started pursuing to sell it. Actually got an, had an issue because I sent it to someone and they returned it. And uh, the $3,000 return, no fun. Um, but uh, so I lost like, 60 bucks or 50 bucks on my shipping it because i pay insurance when i mail cards like that right. so like it was like a 50 dollar label and that was like trash and i had to do it again but 
I still did well. I still got out and I was in that car for like a hundred bucks. That was one. That's I think my biggest success ever was that, but that, I mean, that took five or six years to get there. Yeah. That's, that's a crazy win though. I, yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, you, you didn't necessarily pinpoint it like perfectly, but like that's as close as it gets. Once you see that signal of the sketchy peak and the march down, it's the sell signal yeah. uh, for, for me. Right. At least yep. it was at that period. Yeah. But anyway, back to the, I guess, book. I don't know. Is it a book? Uh, no, I don't know. I call it an article, but it, it reads like a short book. Yeah, I, I really liked the comparison with NFTs and with sneakers and fantasy. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw the chart, how it talks about which consumer, which uh, plays in yeah, the culture, yeah, yeah. which it would be considered gaming, and which would be considered a financial asset. Those are the four, if you're listening and haven't read it. Consumer good, culture, financial asset, and gaming. And it kind of hit on how trading cards is really the only one of sneakers, NFTs, and fantasy that covers all four. That's true. I mean... I think that's why it's so popular. That's the kind of stuff that gives me hope as we as we move forward. And honestly, I felt after reading that, I felt very comfortable and very good. And honestly, the most excited I've ever felt. I mean, this is obviously the goal, right? I mean, he's going to be steering the ship here in a couple of years. But I felt very good that someone who uh, is not uh, aiming to destroy it and to overproduce and understands what made sneakers successful wants this to get to that level. That made me feel good about, you know, owning the stuff that I own. Uh, you know, we, we just can't, ship can't sink in the meantime, obviously, but uh, I, which I don't think it will, but I found that, I, I don't know, it gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah, I agree. I, I felt that way too. I think, yeah, the ship might sink a little bit in the next couple of years if these companies are just going to try to absolutely maximize profit um, because they lose their license. We might see overproduction but and that's just where like you gotta buy the right stuff and you gotta do research like we're gonna like i think right now is really just the biggest challenge almost of when you're making a deal with somebody it's like who knows cards better is really like what it comes down to it's like your knowledge versus theirs because whether stuff's overproduced or you know, dipping or comps are down. Like you have to be just aware of all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, you, I always, I like that because I spend uh, an inordinate amount of time perhaps uh, on cards. So I, 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 I definitely feel I'm pretty in touch with most, with the market dynamics. So I mean, that's good for us, right? Yeah, I, I think it's really good for us. I, and I, it, it makes me feel really good at card shows too. <laughs> like there will just be some people where it's like like i just know like I, I can just be like i know better than you like i'm gonna find your deals because you like you mm -hmm. don't know like as much as i do you know and that's kind of what it is at like a card show it's who knows more and yeah that's the dollar bin and yeah. that is the story of the value bin <laughs> yeah and even even like higher end too like at the shipsy card show there was this guy who had a uh, not a ton of cards but like maybe 50 to 100 cards on his table and some were high end some were low end like pretty fair assortment um but he had this zion and i asked him how much it was uh select silver premier nine five and he said i don't know i was like he's like i don't know comps and i was like i was like okay if you get a price let me know and he's like well i don't have my phone on me because it's getting fixed and I was like, okay, where would you want to be at it then? And he was like, how about this? He's like, let's negotiate. You don't look up comps. I won't look up comps. You're like, like okay. game on. I was like, okay, deal. And I was like, how much you want for it? And he was like, I think it's worth like 500 or something. And what was it? A select silver? Yeah, Premier 9.5. And I was mm. like, okay. I was like, I felt pretty good at that price. And I ended uh up. Nine yeah, five, you said. Nine five, yeah. you said. I I don't know if I had to guess. I'd say maybe six 
hundred it's worth maybe i don't know i maybe five to six hundred i think is where i would but i would want to be a little below that yeah i so i ended up getting that and a jaw uh immaculate rookie out of 49 for six seventy and then I, that, I I would have trouble pricing that immaculate, but that sounds not bad. Yeah, after I went home, there's no comps on the immaculate. Yeah, so okay. I was, like, <laughs> I, I was just like, I'll take the risk on that one. But um, the Zion, I have an offer right now for 700. See, that's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, I, I'll get the jaw for free. That's awesome, though. And yeah, so it's just like. I yeah I loved the whole he didn't have a phone and we were just gonna try to like battle it out and see what happens like I, that's fun man yeah I wish everybody at the card show was that way because I think yeah I think I I think you the same way I feel like each of us could win deals and I think a lot of people like listening to this podcast that are on Instagram like could win deals that way a lot of the time yeah, it, it's definitely fun. You definitely can. Like, you just got to know, like, for me, when I, you were talking about that, I'm thinking, I mean, I have, like, one piece of information that came to my mind, which is the value of the Zion courtside PSA 10. And then you just kind of yeah. go from there in your mind. You're like, well, PSA 10, but now we're 9.5. And it's, like, a card maybe of, like, slightly more, like, rarity maybe because it's silver and premiere not just like the base quartz that's probably about close and then you kind of just rationalize it out from there it's kind of yeah. fun to do honestly if you just have one piece of information to like anchor your ideas off of yeah honestly that actually is a pretty similar thought process to what i did was like kind of comparing it to the court side a little bit obviously like that's base and a more desired card still so yeah you just have to adjust a court but yeah that's part of the game so that is that is I had, those are good stories i that's definitely a fun game to play but what we'll, we'll get into here the q a try to we'll keep on the keep keep you guys on schedule here and we got that q a coming so anywhere you want to start matt you want me to just rattle some of them off we got five questions here any preference on order or just shoot um I say let's talk about the Kaboom one that came in first, just because I think that one will be quick. Okay, um, we'll get to that first. Long-term thoughts on Kabooms was a listener question. Yeah, I think – yeah, I mean, I guess I can – yeah, just be quite honest. Like, this year's absolute trash. These they Kaboom, look nice. They look nice, but, like, the fact that there's two Bradys is just ridiculous. Oh, me. you mean football. Oh, There are yeah. two Bradys? Yeah, there's a Patriots one and a Bucks one, which that is just so stupid to me. What nobody like, I don't know, not nobody wants, but like nobody should want a Patriots Brady right now when he's that's produced when he's not even on the pass. That is the equivalent of a Joe Montana kaboom. Yeah, and like nobody, it's the like same thing. Like it drives me crazy when they make LeBron Cavs cards in 2021 when he's on the Lakers. Like yeah. nobody should want that crap. And they're just doing it so they can make more. And, like, it's going to hurt the product. Like, I, I would say my thoughts on Kabooms are long-term long would be Bra LeBron's 2013 first year and Brady's 2018 first year are – and other players too. Like, 2013 basketball, 2018 football are the best. Everything else is just – either overproduced or going to be secondary. Like I think 2019 Brady isn't like a bad buy. And I, I own, I own three LeBron Kabooms that are the first year Kaboom that I really like, but I'm sure not going to buy the 2021 that's printed to the moon. Well, I wouldn't buy the 2020, although I would be lying to you if I said, I don't, I haven't been intrigued by the 2020 Luca Kaboom just because it looks kind of cool. I would like it. But I'm not willing to pay that kind of money. There, my budget is too limited to be uh, spending money on that. But uh, I don't know. I think I'm a little more optimistic on the kaboom than you, which is weird because I used to hate the kaboom. Um, really? I I am. I don't know. I I I think you're moving towards the realm of where I I am not that big on the current year production, but I think you have this glory run, which is 
basketball, maybe 13 to 18 or 19, maybe to 18. I don't know. We'll say 13 through 18, where I don't think the pop was out of hand, especially the graded pop is not out of hand. And I don't know. You look back at some of these inserts from like the 90s that are like real popular. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I do believe maybe that the kaboom and I used to be of the belief that like it didn't make sense to me at first when the kabooms took off. I'm like, these were nothing. And like, now they're worth so much. And like, I was like, what the heck is this? Like, why would I spend my money on this? This was worthless like a couple months ago, but I don't know. Sometimes there's something to be said for if in some circumstances, just this is the way it's going to be. And if you, you know, it's the way the market thinks now. And I, I don't know. I'm a little bit more optimistic on the kaboom. I think that there's 13 through eight, 2013 through 2018 kabooms. I, I do believe in long run. Are they necessarily the highest ROI uh, that I see out there? I would not say that, but I, I think they'll hold though, which is leaps from where I thought before that they were going to go to go back down to where they used to be. I, I think they yeah. might be legit now. I, I agree with you on the 2013 to 2018. I think, I, I think obviously like those will grow slower than like the 2013, like the first year. Yeah. Like, I think that one's going to like, I could see that one being like huge, like just like a massive card someday. But, and I, I still do like the other ones, obviously, cause I have them and I'm holding them. So I, I most yeah. like, them. but yeah, it's just like, well, one, the, do you like the new LeBron one? I don't know if I've even actually seen it. Ah, no, I might have. I don't remember. I can't stand that car. But he's doing like the three-point pose. I have not seen that. I have not. I haven't oh, seen that card. Terrible picture. They did LeBron dirty with that one. Viewers out there might know uh, what this is looking like. Maybe they got the image in their heads. I do not. But we'll we'll look it up. We'll look it up. But in the meantime, keep rocking. Uh Thoughts on Mike Baker authentication? Can't oh, I see this picture. This is pretty. Oh, yeah, it's pretty awful. He looks like a coach, but like also bad. Yeah. Uh, but thoughts on Mike Baker authentication? Can it add value to base in specific? So we got this kind of a two pronged question we got here from the listeners. So what do you think? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I'm so torn. I think I've got a pretty strong opinion on this one. See, I think with Mike Baker, I think if I had like, say my Jordan, like PSA six, if I got that Mike Baker authentic, what's the best by the way, for him, is that gold I or something? I, I don't really know. Uh, I, I, I used to be a Mike Baker hater. Uh, so I never took the time to learn, but let's say, we'll say for purposes of our conversation, gold's the best. Yeah. If So if I got the best label or something on my Jordan PSA six and I went to sell it, I would demand a premium for that. However, if someone approached me with this Jordan, is the exact way I feel with a Jordan PSA six and wanted me to pay more because of the Mike Baker authentication, I would say, get out of here. I'm paying the last eBay comp of a non-Mike Baker authenticated one. That is how I feel. Yeah, so that's that's tough because, yeah, it's just if I'm selling it, like, I love it. I'm going to be like, this is the best six you'll ever find. Like, good luck finding something better. Like, you got to pay up for this, you know. But if I'm buying, I'm just going to be like, who cares? Mike Baker doesn't mean anything to me. I'll give you the last six comp or something like that. So this and- is where I'm at on that. On that, I somehow I've like I said, I used to hate Mike Baker. Um, I've come around a little bit, but like if I looked at a Jordan six at a show and say I was in the market for a Jordan six, or like I don't know, let's say like a fifty three. Mantle PSA two something I am interested in buying like sometime and I looked at one and it had a Mike Baker sticker and they're like well I want more because of that Mike Baker sticker I'd be like mm, you know I don't know if I want to pay for the stupid sticker and but then yeah. just as easily if I went to a show and I found a two that had looked awfully nice to me I would pay a premium over comp just because it looked good but like something about this stupid sticker 
is and I and I don't know is off putting to me, but I I do pay for eye appeal, uh, especially on big cards. So this is why I wanted to get back to the listener question: Can it add value to base? In my opinion, it adds no value to base uh, whatsoever. I, this might be a hot take. I would pay barely more for a Zion BGS ten than I would for a PSA ten base prism. I, it has literally no appeal to me. I see people on Insta selling them for like 3K or like yeah, 2.5K. Why would I buy that when it looks the same as a high quality PSA 10 for like yeah. more? I It has no appeal for base for me. The appeal yeah. is as a universal delineator of eye appeal. Yeah, so I guess like for the listeners, I guess we're going to talk about base as being like, 2018 and newer because like obviously like the jordan fleer is a base card but like when we're saying base like we mean like there's parallels of the card and like there's better yeah because yeah obviously like the your jordan fleer is a base card but that's not what we're kind of referring to like we're talking about you know zion base prism job base prism Giannis base prism yeah. Luca base prism that kind of stuff would be base in this conversation um, and I think that's what the person who asked the question is kind of getting at. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think yeah, it's a good I, delineator in middle grades on stuff that has yeah. value in middle grades or low grades. I see its value there. I agree. I don't not at like, I don't know if there was a Zion RPA that was like a PSA nine, and then there was another one that was a PSA nine but with like a gold sticker because it like looked better. At that point, I'm not really that interested in paying for the. I appeal as much, but that's just me. I don't know. Well, well, yeah, I think I agree. I think it has much more of an impact and a selling value on vintage. That's or, where I would be interested in it. Like yeah, I said, 53 I mantle. I appeal matters so much. I, uh, agree. Well, I Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like should, I couldn't imagine walking up to a show and some guy just trying to sell me like a Zion base prism Mike Baker gold. I would just bring no thanks. Like, I have no interest in that. Yep. Me too. Yeah. I, my, sorry, Mike Baker, but you, your yeah. vintage business could be booming. So, you know, you, you got to yeah. gotta get at it. Uh, next one up. We'll save two of these that are pretty similar for the last two. But what is the catalyst needed to make Hall of Fame slash legend card values move up again? It's probably one on the minds of a lot of people. You got it. Do you want to start or I could start if you're interested in that? Um, you can go for that one first. All right. This is kind of a weird take. I don't know if this is right, but when I was writing this one in the in the notes for the show, I was thinking, first of all, I I, I don't actually know if there's a ton of a catalyst for Hall of Fame slash legend guys. Um, obviously legend guys who aren't the hall of fame, there's the easy hall of fame bump and anticipation of a hall of fame vote. Uh, that has long been a thing, but that's not a big uh, catalyst. This is kind of an interesting thing I was thinking of. What if the catalyst for hall of fame guys like Tim Duncan, I assume is what this is talking about. The likes of Tim Duncan, you know, hall of fame slash legend guys who like have relatively minimal appeal. I don't think this is talking about Kobe and LeBron, but maybe it is. I think the mover is the rise of a young star to astronomical prices, a hype behind a young star. Luca winning a championship is, uh, you know what I mean? Luca winning a ring is uh, maybe the catalyst because his prices, if he got a ring in the next, he will not get it this year. That team trash. I've watched like half their games, maybe more, but he gets a ring in the next two, three years to the moon for those. And I think then you'll see what gave hall of fame slash legend guys, the value that they had early in 2021, the first place, which was base slash modern running like absolute crazy. And then people say, Hey, well, Tim Duncan was pretty darn good. Like, why is he so cheap? And then boom, Tim Duncan goes, I think that's the only way you see the catalyst. It's not a direct catalyst of them. It's that price adjustment because a young guy booms. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, that kind of already happened with Brady and Mahomes, right? Like, Mahomes really prices started going crazy, and people were just like, wait a minute, Brady might be undervalued. 
This is the only way that you can – well, Brady's still playing, but that's the only way that some of those guys can go up. Yeah. Because they're not – they're no catalyst for them on the court. Unless they're going to get, like, a documentary or something. like. Yeah, and I think – um, like people have to be careful because like just a player, just because a player is a hall of fame player does not mean they are remotely close to being a good investment. And just because a player is undervalued does not mean they're a good investment. Like, I think like in all honesty, I think Tim Duncan is undervalued, but I will never buy a card of his because he will never be properly valued. Yep. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, so just because something is undervalued, like, doesn't mean it's a massive buy and, like, it's going to go 10 times and, like, people are going to realize and everything. Like, I think really the only undervalued stuff that I would really buy is, like, oh, you know, I think this certain LeBron insert doesn't have a lot of appreciation. I'll I'll try one before. But, for instance, like, I bought my LeBron Kabooms before they went crazy. I think I bought my 2013 one for like 1500 bucks or something. Yeah. Wow. Because I liked the card. I think that is more where undervalued is applicable. Not saying like, Oh, you know, Elgin Baylor, great hall of famer is undervalued or something like that. Like, uh, yeah. Never- I'm with you. I mean, baseball, Adrian Beltre comes to mind immediately adrian beltre compiled enormous stats i believe he was a many gold glove winner cards are not worth very much adrian beltre was a stud and he was good for a really long time yeah no one cares about adrian beltre no one's going to care about adrian beltre but like that's the way that's the way that works i'm with you on that yeah the undervalued for me it's like those Connor mcdavid cards i bought up i was like well you know i wanted to buy some Connor mcdavid anyway and like I see home run like potential in these, like not saying it's going to happen, but like, I don't know if people think about these the way I'm thinking about these, then maybe it is, but you know, it very well could never happen. Uh, Yeah. And that's, that's the risk you take. It is. It is. I'm getting back out there into some riskier stuff. Finally. Uh, There you go. Finally wading back into the waters. I don't know. Next up, we're going to, We'll save perhaps the most interesting for last, but we'll start with this one. Uh, fourth question. Of the GOAT-level players, so they said MJ, Braun, Brady, Kobe, Mantle, etc., which has the highest upside and why, in your opinion? Um, for highest upside, I would say LeBron inserts. I think is one inserts still, I still think there's, you're going to come crawling to the kaboom camp to the, uh, to the kabooms are, uh, are, are a long-term buy in not just 2013 camp. I mean, well, I love my 2013 kaboom long-term. I love that card, but I think even some like, I mean, personally, what I just really like is the 20 anything like 2016 championship related I, I like i just feel like there's like that champ like that championship portraits yeah i know which ones you mean you've been buying some nice ones yeah where he's like like wrapping his arms around the trophy and it's numbered out of 99 with zero parallels like that okay. to me is just an insane card like if if that was Jordan, that's like an $120,000 insert. This is fair. Uh, that That is actually very fair. I never really thought about it that way. but Or or even like the blocked by James one. I was uh, just I was just trolling my friend who's a Warriors fan about that today. And he told me really? to shut up. <laughs> yeah, like all that stuff I think is just going to be great. I, I don't know about it. Yeah, what would you say? I don't know. I goat level players, highest upside. I was going to say LeBron just because of his ability to stay relevant. Um, uh, I do think it's contingent upon him not being completely hated as he stays relevant in uh, culture. Uh, A lot of people hate LeBron. I'm a little worried. Uh, I don't know. The Kobe, eh, I don't see a ton of upside. Mickey Mantle, 
honestly a favorite buy just because of how steady it is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think it has to be LeBron, right? Like, if 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 he's been so good about building the brand of himself, it's kind of a vanilla answer to give, but that's what it is for me. I don't know. He has the highest upside, in my opinion. There's nothing wrong with buying the best. If you bought MJ for the last however long, you'd be killing. So like, and he's just he was the best. And then he was the best off the court at staying relevant. And I don't know. I feel like Braun has the most potential to do that. Yeah, I agree. I, I, and I feel like, to be honest, most of the people that really hate LeBron are like 50 plus (laughs) in age. Honestly, like it's like the Jordan guys, like, Oh, we watch Jordan, you know, we don't like LeBron, you know, all this stuff. Like, and I, like, I feel like most people our age, like generally, like 20 years from now, I feel like most people our age and even like in middle school and like high school, like a product on LeBron. Like I just see in like 10 years, a LeBron doc, I mean, probably even longer than that, like 15 years, a LeBron documentary coming out and that just being absolutely massive for like people our age and like kids younger or even a little bit older yeah you have that too the people that watch lebron coming into more money the whole mj thing i mean later yeah. down the road i i too many factors line up it's too good of a buy but then we move yeah. in to the fifth and final question which uh yeah. feeds right off of this this is the one we talked pre-show about as being perhaps the most interesting uh brady and we may have to cut a little bit after this, but Brady or LeBron, which one are you selling first? This is a big question. Very hard question. You want to, you want to kick off the thinking or I yeah, can go first can, if you want. I think like if we're answering this question today, I sell Brady first because of the documentary coming out. I think I would sell it right after that documentary and I would buy into LeBron because I think LeBron has a lot of big things coming. He's going to pass Kareem or he was going to, he's going to pass Kareem first. And it's like, I just, the stuff I have of LeBron, like I don't like that champion, like the championship um, one from 2016, like that hoops one. Like, I just see that card going up 10 to 20 times. And it's like, I really like my Brady cards, but I don't see them necessarily going up like that much. Like, I'm just so high on the LeBron inserts that I have. I just don't know that I'd sell them for anything. I'm, I, I'm with you. Longer run, I like Brady more. I would sell, or sorry, oh, I, I like LeBron more in the longer run. Um, I would sell the Brady perhaps in the longer run but short term i would i would not i don't would not be interested in selling the brady i would sell the lebron short term i'm worried about the lebron market for the next couple years uh versus the brady market maybe maybe we're talking one year two years i think brady's got such a real shot to win another and to win another ring and uh from what i've seen of the lakers this year i mean it, they, they look pretty uh, pretty weak, even with everyone on the floor. Like, I don't know. I think that Brady has so much going for him while he's still out there. I think that while the, that give him, like, the chances for a championship, I like Brady, his upside short run more. Uh, but what I just worry about is once you hit retirement, it's tough for card values. You know, you're not on the field or on the court anymore. You're not in the public eye. You're not in the eye of the sports fan like you used to be. And it's all about staying relevant. And I mean, if you're the GOAT, like, you know, obviously that keeps you relevant. Brady, no disputing that. But I think LeBron is more culturally relevant. And that's what makes me uh, more intrigued in him longer run. That's why I'd be selling Brady first after the next like two years, I guess. But up until two years, I would like to have Brady more. Yeah, I, I, Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think 
the thing for me is really like all of my Brady's are like rare, but they're not rare to the point where if I sell them, I'll never get one back. And that's kind of how I feel about my LeBrons, like the hoops portrait out of 99. There's only been one public sale in the last two years. So I feel like if I sell mine, I would never get it back. And that's what holds me back. Like when answering that question, if I had the same card of Brady, like a super iconic one that was numbered out of 99, I knew if I sold it, I could never get it back. Then it might switch my answer, you know? That's fair. I guess we're dealing with different types of uh, st- different types of stuff here. But yeah, yeah. it definitely does matter. Uh, you def- I guess with what we're saying, like with us thinking LeBron has the most upside long run, then that's kind of where you come in with this fear that if that run starts earlier than you thought, you could get screwed you know, while being out of cards that you want for the longer run. Yeah. Well, that was, that kind was a of good the, question. Yeah, that, that's a good one to be thinking about. That's the kind of bring us to the end of the Q&A. Um, Matt, I don't know. Do you want to touch a little on Cade and Jalen Green before we sign off? We're up maybe around like 50 minutes or so. So I don't know. I probably want to keep it under an hour. So, yeah, I think, yeah, we talked about it a little bit. It's a nice rivalry. I think, I honestly don't know if they play each other again, but I that's must watch TV, I think. So I'll be tuning in if they do. Yeah. The fake, uh, the rivalry between not Kate and Jalen, but uh, the Detroit fans and Jalen. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I, I would love to see them play in Detroit. I think that would be quite something. Get a little rowdy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. A lot of, yeah, they Jalen would definitely be hearing it. He would definitely yeah. be hearing it. I don't know. I didn't yeah. watch the game last night, but I was uh, watching uh, the Bulls destroy the Mavs and my Grizzlies fall apart to uh, 30, like nine or 37 points by Kelly Oubre off the bench. So I should have watched that instead, but uh, alas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Well, if that's... If you if you're going with that, may we sign off here then? Yep. Yeah. That, that was good. Well, thank you guys for tuning in as always. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, be sure to tune in next week. I have another good episode coming for you. Thank you.